As you watch this teaching, I would like to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. This is Rick Renner. I hope you had a good weekend and that you went to church online or did whatever you can do. We all need the fellowship of the saints, and that's why we're here for you tonight. We want to fellowship with you. Thank you for letting us come right into your space. And starting today, we're doing a brand new series on spiritual warfare. And so I have to recommend my book, which really became a Christian classic. You know, Denise, when I wrote this book, I had no idea how God was going to use this book. It is amazing. But it's called Dress to Kill. If you don't have this book, this is a book that you really should have. The full title says, you don't have to take it anymore because you are dressed to kill a biblical approach to spiritual warfare and armor. My friend, you don't have to lay down and let the devil run all over you. You have power. You've got the blood of Jesus. You've got spiritual weaponry. You say, well, I don't know what it is and I don't know how to use it. That's why you need to get a copy of this book. And to help you, this book has pictures. pictures. Everybody likes pictures. Me too. I really like the pictures that are in this book. It shows samples of weaponry, exactly the same kind of weaponry that is here on the set with us tonight. You may say, I have the original, the one that was in a a white, it was a white book with this beautiful knife, dagger. You mean the original Dress to Kill? Yes. Mm. That one had pictures too. This one has better pictures. Mm. Oh yeah, this one is amazing. And that book, Dress to Kill, is all over the planet. It's used in Bible schools. It's called a Christian classic. It's, it's just amazing to me. I'm really humbled by it that God has used that book so widely across the world in every conceivable denomination. That's what's really amazing. But hey, Denise, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick. And Home Group, welcome. You know, I'm excited about today to learn about our spiritual power that we have, that God has given us, but I'm also excited that we're with you because we're gathered together in his name, and he promises that when we're gathered together in his name, that there he is. In the midst. Right here, in the middle of us. You mean we don't have to be in the same room? No. Jesus didn't say that. He just said you have to be gathered together. And we are gathered together. And so that means he's right here. And he's right here. And he's here to do miracles. He's here to do healings. He's here to open our hearts to him in a more powerful way, to encourage us, to strengthen us. He's carrying that. He's fully loaded to bless us today. And you know what? I feel a word. I feel to tell you, that when this season is finished, things are going to change in your life. Don't go back to where you've been. Good changes have been made in your life. You've eliminated some things that needed to be eliminated. And when things begin to loosen up and you begin to go back to a regular lifestyle, don't go back to the things that you have realized, you know what, I don't need that. I don't need to spend the money on that. I can do with less. God has liberated you from so many things during this season. It's not all been negative. Some really good things have happened. You have found your family again. Don't lose that. And I just feel compelled of the Lord to tell you what's in front of you is going to be better than what was behind you. Amen. 
Amen. Paul? I'm looking at this armor, and every time, every time we look at the helmet and the helmet of salvation, every time I look at it, I think, what does my helmet of salvation look like? What do the angels see when they look at me? What does what does this thing look on look on me? What do I? What do well, I why don't you put it on? That's and my let us favorite see. part. That's your favorite part, uh -huh. and and I also think this stuff is heavy. Paul, put it on. Let us okay, see what it looks let's like. See. Let's see what it looks like. Wow. Okay. Well, Paul, you are a soldier of the Lord. Amen. Now that's amazing. Wow. That looks like a cartoon <laughs> figure. Do I look like one of those cartoon figures? No. Let me tell you. The Bible calls it the helmet of salvation. Okay, is everybody listening? Here's a lesson. Do I get to wear this, the whole home group? No, you don't. I don't? No. Oh. Now, okay, Denise. Yes. You walked up to, Paul, keep that I'm, on your I'm head. I'm pretty captivated. If you walked up to a soldier who looked like that, would you notice his helmet? Yes. Would you notice that thing coming out of the top? I would notice this right away. You know, it's kind of hard to look at somebody with that on his head and not notice him. And you know why it's called the helmet of salvation? Because salvation is noticeable. It's noticeable. Have you ever noticed that when you're in an airport, I use that example because we're in a lot of airports, but when you're in an airport and you're sitting in the lounge waiting for your plane, you can look across the room and you can almost point out the people that are saved. Mm -hmm. You can say, that's a brother in the Lord. How do you know that? They're not wearing a sign because salvation is so noticeable. In fact, mm -hmm. it is the most noticeable thing that God has done in your life. Okay, that's the helmet. Let's look at the next piece. Okay. This all is right. heavy though. Oh, it's very heavy. How, how, do you, how do you wear these all the time? Well, we're going to get into that later. Okay. This is a sword. Now look at this. My friends, this is a replica, but you could really kill with this. You might say, where did you get all of this? Well, we bought it in Rome because I knew I was going to be teaching on the subject and I wanted to have it so I could explain to you what Paul was talking about. Mm -hmm. Paul talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is what he had in mind. But wait a minute. He also talks about the belt of truth. This basically is a Roman belt. <coughs> now, not only did it protect your loins, that's important. Mm -hmm. Good kick in the loins. You'll find out why this was important. But there was something else. This was the most central piece of weaponry that a Roman soldier had. Now, it may not look real stout and real serious, but if you didn't have this, you couldn't have a sword because the sword hung from the belt. If you didn't have this, you probably wouldn't have a shield because the shield hung on a clip to this belt. If you didn't have this, you wouldn't have a spear because the pouch for the spears rested along the back of the soldier and was attached to this. So whatever the <laughs> loin belt of truth is, it is the most central, most important piece of weaponry which has been given to any soldier. You're going to see why as we continue. But Paul, let's go further. What are these? Hey, Paul, would you hand me one of those shoes over there? I want to explain this. All right. When the Bible talks about the Roman soldier's shoes, in Ephesians chapter 6, they're called shoes of peace. Well, when you understand them, they're really not very peaceful. I call them killer shoes. Here is the Roman sandal. This was like a Roman shoe. Well, if you look at it, it doesn't look very serious. But, guys, notice this. You really have to tie it around your feet. 
And once you tie it around your feet, it is so tied around your feet, you nearly can't get it off of your feet. And that's why the Greek says binding piece on your feet. You got to really bind it so you don't lose it. But wait, look on the bottom. Paul, look on the bottom with me. What's on the bottom? Hobnails. Now, these are blunted so that no one will be injured. But in real life, for a Roman soldier, these were not blunted. They were like nails or little daggers all over the bottom of Roman shoes. Why? Number one, because if you have little nails all over the bottom of your feet, when your feet are in the ground, you are deeply in place. You are not easy to move because you are literally embedded in the soil. The enemy can push you and push you and push you, but your shoes will hold you in place. But that's not all. They use these as a weapon. You could kick, you could stomp, you could literally kill an enemy with these shoes because of the hobnails. And Paul calls them shoes of peace, but really they were killer shoes. But this is only one part. This is the other part. And this part began at the ankle, went all the way to the knee, and this was called a greave. You wore one on both legs. And when you came into the Roman army, they would measure you, and they would make greaves just for you. It would fit you. And the purpose of this was that when a Roman soldier would march and would fight, a common tactic of his enemy was to come up and kick him. And if the enemy could kick him and break his shins, then he could take him down and decapitate him. Or Roman soldiers regularly had to walk through a very rocky terrain or a very thorny terrain that would tear up their legs and it would impede their ability to advance. But if their shins were covered, mm -hmm. they could walk past rocky territory and not even know that it was rocky. They could walk through the thorniest situations and never get a scratch. This is part of our shoes of peace. And here's what it means. When you have the peace of God, it will hold you in place. It will enable you to advance. And when you have the peace of God, you will be so divinely protected that you can walk through very rough situations and you don't even feel the effect of it. The peace of God is such a keeping peace. You can go through a thorny situation and never even get a scratch. And that's why the Bible calls it shoes of Peace. Peace. What do you guys think of that? I love it. I think that is amazing. But wait. Stuff what's is this? valuable. The oh, equipment yeah. itself was very valuable. Oh, it was very heavy. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. This is a replica of a Roman shield. Now, the decoration is correct. The size is not correct. They were actually much larger than this. They were made of multiple levels, uh, layers of hide. Mm -hmm. They were not made of wood. They were made of hide. They were bound around the edges by wood and by brass or by metal. And the shield was designed according to every Roman soldier's size. If you were a bigger man, then you had a bigger shield. If you were smaller, then you needed a smaller shield. They measured you from side to side, from top to bottom, and they gave you a shield that was just big enough for you. And this confirms what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, to every man is given the measure of faith. You know, sometimes people say, well, I believe that you got more faith than I have. Hey, forget that. Doesn't matter. God gave you the measure that you need. You personally are covered from top to bottom and side to side. Quit thinking about what other people have and rejoice in what you have. You're covered from head to toe with faith. That's what the Bible says. But there's something else important about the shield. 
because it was made out of multiple levels, layers of hide, it could become brittle. And the only way that you could keep a shield soft and subtle and really pliable is you had to anoint it every single day. And every Roman soldier who was in the infantry and was in battle understood one of his first daily responsibilities. Is this amazing? I mean, you can see why Paul used this illustration. Mm -hmm. One of the first daily responsibilities was to get the oil and press the oil into your shield to keep it soft and mm -hmm. to keep it pliable. Likewise, if you're running on an old faith, you're going to be in trouble. You need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit on your faith every single day for your faith to be active and pliable and energized. Mm -hmm. And there's something else very important too. The enemy shot arrows. They're called flaming darts in the King James Version. Thucydides described in his literature, they were long slender arrows that were filled with combustible fluid. They were like bombs. And just to the natural eye, they just looked like arrows. You didn't realize they were fire, fiery arrows until they hit. And when they hit, they exploded like a bomb. Well, mm -hmm. Roman soldiers were aware of that. So before they went into battle, they would take their shields and guess what they would do? Soak it in water? They would douse it in water. They would douse their shields in water until the shields and all that leather would become totally saturated with water. That would make the shield much heavier. You have to be very strong to operate with a shield. You have to be very strong to operate in faith. But because their shield was water saturated, when those arrows would hit, it would either ricochet the arrows or the water in the shield would extinguish the fire. And in the same way, our faith needs a daily anointing, and our faith has to be doused in the Word of God if we want it to really work for us. Mm. What do you guys think about all that? It's wonderful. It's oh, wonderful, I, isn't it? Oh, it's wonderful. You know, I was telling somebody yesterday, a few days ago, I kind of got hit by an arrow. Have you ever been hit by an arrow? Like somebody, something, somebody said or somebody something somebody did. And it was just the right thing to just hit you and expose whatever weaknesses inside of you. We all have weaknesses. But it just, and it exploded. And, but I, you know, and I was in the word. I was seeking the Lord. But I just needed, I, it was an attack from the enemy. I just, I just needed more. I just needed more. And sometimes we just have to just keep saying, Lord, anoint me more. Lord, I'm going to put my head in your, in this book, in this knowledge, in the renewing of my mind. And of course that arrow, it got distinguished, it got put out. But I'm just telling you that it happens, it happens to all of us that those arrows that come, they do come. They come with fire. They come with the intent of the enemy is to attack you. And to arouse bad passions. Ar arouse bad passions. But the word of God, and even if it hits you, we can still put the word of God on that flame and the oil, and we can defeat him. Amen. Now, we have looked at six pieces of weaponry here. Oh, we didn't look at the breastplate. Got the breastplate. Hey, pick that up. Don't forget the breastplate. This was the heaviest piece. Ugh. 
This was a real heavy piece of weaponry. It protected the heart. And guess what, guys? It was not just a protective weapon. It was an offensive weapon. Mm -hmm. You could attack the enemy with a breastplate. I'm going to show you how the breastplate is a weapon to attack. It's amazing. All right, Paul, thank you for showing that. That's very heavy. I'm not going to ask you to put it on because it's hard to get on and it's really heavy. Okay, but there's one more piece of weaponry which is not here in our display. We have it. We just forgot to bring it, but we'll bring it when we teach on it this week. And guess what that is? The spear, the lance. Now wait. If you read Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul talks about all this weaponry, it doesn't look like the lance is included, but that's a big, big, big problem because the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, verse 11, we're to put on the whole armor of God. Whole armor in Greek is the word hoplion. It describes the whole weaponry, which included seven pieces. Well, here we only have six. What is the seventh piece? The seventh piece is the lance. Well, if you read this chapter, you can read these six pieces very easily. But if it's the whole armor of God, then the lance needs to be here. So where is the lance? The lance is there. The lance is in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. I call this the spear of influence. When you know how to pray and when you know how to intercede, it gives you power to hit the enemy from a distance. And you know, those lances that Roman soldiers carried, they were remarkable. There were short ones, there were long ones, and every Roman soldier carried a sundry of lances. Some of them, are you ready for this? were 24 feet long. That's long. Well, how do you carry a 24-foot spear? Well, you don't. They put it together like an extended fishing pole. It mm. came in pieces, and you put it together. But the purpose of a lance was to attack your enemy before he could get too close. Prayer, if you do it correctly, you can hit the enemy from a distance. And by the way, if you need prayer, call us. If you feel the enemy is headed in your direction, we'll put our prayers together with you and we will assault him in prayer. We have a spear of influence that really works. Just write to us, prayer at renner.org or call us 1-800-542-9973. Now, all of this is covered in this book, Dress to Kill. You need to order it at our store at renner.org or go to Amazon. But let's go to Ephesians 6 verse 10. Something really important here. Now, Paul is talking about spiritual armor, spiritual weaponry. And he begins in verse 10 by saying, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Then in verse 11, he says, Put on the whole armor of God. But before he ever gets to the subject of weaponry, he begins with the subject of power. Why does he begin with the subject of power? Because it is impossible to walk in this weaponry without strength. You cannot. Even for a normal Roman soldier, what do you think all this weaponry weighed? Well, I'll tell you. For a smaller Roman soldier, between 75 and 80 pounds. If you were a larger Roman soldier, it could weigh up to 120 pounds. This was really heavy weaponry. And, of course, that depended on your shield, was your shield at the moment soaked with water? That would really make it heavy. But the point is, a weak man with no muscles and no strength, he could not function in this. Mm -hmm. He just could not. 
He'd be like, Denise, right now, if I dropped 100 pounds on you and told you to get up and run around the house, you would probably say, Rick, I can't do it because you don't have what you need to run around the house in 100 pounds, extra pounds. I mean, it takes somebody really stout, somebody really capable to function in that kind of weaponry. So before Paul ever gets into the subject of weapons, he begins in verse 10 by saying, finally. The word finally in Greek is toloipan. It means to the last and most important thing I've said to you in this letter. Well, wait a minute. This is the book of Ephesians where Paul has said so many important things. But now he comes to the end and he says, hey, if you can't remember anything else I've said to you, this is what I want you to keep in your head. Finally, to the last important matter at hand, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The word strong is the Greek word enduo. <sighs> you guys, the word enduo. Ay, ay, ay. The word enduo is where you get the word for an endowment, mm -hmm. to be endued. Wait a minute. When you hear the word endued, what scripture do you think of? Luke 24, verse 49, where Jesus said to the disciples on the Mount of Olives, he said, go into the city of Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father, and stay there and wait until you be... Endued with power endued. from on high. It's the same word, the word endued. Until you be endued with power from on high. So when you come to this word strong, be strong in the Lord, in verse 10, it's talking about a supernatural endowment of power. We're not talking about mustering together your courage. You need to do that too. But we're not talking about just mustering together your physical strength or your tenacity or what you can pull together. We're talking about a divine endowment. Now that word enduo is a compound of two words. The word en means en. The word duo is where we get the word for dunamis. The word dunamis is the word for dynamic, supernatural power. It is also the very same word used by the Roman army to describe the full advancing might of military troops. That's what dunamis is. When God's dunamis power is released, it causes the power of God to advance mightily. But when you compound it together with the word en, en duo, it's not just free-floating power somewhere out here in the cosmos, but it's dunamis in. It's power that is in something, which means this power in Ephesians 6 verse 10 is not a free-floating power, but it's a power that's been designed to be placed in something. It's supposed to go into some kind of a container. There has to be a container for this power, and guess what the container is? Paul? Me and you. Us. We are the containers for this power. And any believer that has not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, they're missing part of what they're created for. We're created as the receptacles of this divine supernatural power. And what happens when you receive it? Okay, let me take you another step, a little bit through Greek vocabulary and history. In ancient Greece, this word was also used to describe the power of witchcraft. He said, oh, why did you have to bring that in? Because it's really a good point. Paul knew that when he used this word. When someone was put under a magic spell, it changed them. It changed them. They received an endowment. And when they received an endowment, it changed the way they thought. It changed the way they looked at life. 
It changed everything. And that is the same word that is used here. This word was also used to describe individuals like Hercules. Hercules. He received an endowment from the gods. And when he received an endowment from the gods, a normal human being became a superhuman being. A superhuman being. All of that is in this word strong. So Paul, before he ever touches the issue of weapons, he says, hey, let's start with the issue of power because you're not going to function in this until first you have power. And my friends, God made you, he says, to be a receptacle for divine power. He made you for that. And when that power comes in you, it will change your perspective. When that power comes in you, it will transform you into a superhuman being. You will receive everything that you need. In fact, you'll have in you the might of an army ready to advance. And that's why he begins the subject of spiritual weaponry with the issue of power. Yes, it's wonderful because God has not just given us equipment that we don't have the strength to use. He's given us the strength to use it too. Mm. It's wonderful. And notice he also says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Well, you know, for years that perplexed me, strength of his might. I wondered, what's the difference between strength and might? Don't you think that's a good question? Be strong, every word's important. So what's the difference between strength? Mm-hmm. Mine says, in the power of, of his, his might. might. Well, the word <coughs> strength, yours says power. In Greek is the word kratos. Wow. K-R-A-T-O-S. The word kratos describes what I call demonstrated strength, demonstrated power. It's not just what you believe in or mentally it's sent to, but it's a power that you can see, you can touch it, you can feel it. It's the same kind of power that was present the day of the resurrection. If you'd been at the tomb when Jesus was resurrected, you wouldn't have sat there and said, you know, I believe something's happening. You would have seen it. You would have felt it. It was Kratos' power, manifested power. The word might in this verse is the word iskuas. Well, the word iskuas, all right, guys, just think of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. because the word here describes a man that is bound with muscles, a mighty, mighty man. But in this verse, it says, in the strength or the power of his might. And here Paul tells us, I love mm. this. Mm. Hey guys, if you could see God, do you know what you would call God? You would call him Mr. Universe. There's no one mightier, no one with more muscular ability, no one with more might than God. He's Mr. Universe, the greatest in the universe. And Paul in this verse says that when we receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, an endowment from on high in some way that he does not tell us in this verse, and we don't even need to know, somehow that experience connects us to the mighty arm of God. Mm. Glory to Jesus. And when we as mere humans pray in the name of Jesus, God flexes his muscles on our behalf and power is demonstrated through us. Kratos power, 
not just power that we mentally had sent to or we think maybe it exists. I mean power that you can see, you can feel it. Signs and wonders, healings, casting out devils. All of that results because God's mighty arm mm. is connected to us when we receive an endowment from power, of power from on high. It's why you need to have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. All these weapons belong to you legally simply by being a child of God, but practically you'll never be able to carry them. You'll never be able to function in them until you receive an endowment from power, from on high of power. That's what enables you and really puts you into the fight so that you can put the enemy on the run. When you receive an endowment, you have in you the full might of an advancing army to push back everything that has tried to come against you. Denise? I'm just thinking about the power of God. I'm just thinking about the power of God in us to embrace that power, to, to touch that power, to believe, and from that place that we can move in the power of God. We can put our hands on the sick and they will recover. We can hear God speak to us and say what he says. We can love somebody who's impossible to love. We can walk in peace when it seems impossible situation. Mm. That's, that's not us. That's not our goodness. That's what's in us. That's him. That's him. Now, Denise, I like to think that we have been made as a receptacle. I am a receptacle for this divine power. Absolutely. Think what a shame it would be if I lived my whole life and I never received what I was made to receive. Rick, I've been thinking about this cup of coffee. I was thinking about it too. <laughs> this coffee cup was made for coffee. Perhaps tea. Okay, Paul's a tea drinker. <laughs> tea or coffee. You and I. And you, Rick, and Paul, we were made, we're reciprocal, we were made, designed for power. the power of God. Oh, it's amazing. Paul, do you have anything to add? Now, today we talked about the power that God has given us to carry and use these weapons. What are we going to talk about tomorrow? Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about how to put them on. Do you have to get up every morning and put them on? Or are they already on you automatically? Can you take them off? Can you take them off? Oh, my goodness, that's a great question. Mm. And day after tomorrow, we're going to talk about principalities and powers. Right now, the heavens are buzzing with spiritual activity. I mean, real warfare is taking place in the heavens right now, and it will increase mm -hmm. as we come to the end of the age. Mm -hmm. What's happening in the heavens, and how does it affect us that are living on the earth? It's going to really be good, but guys, we're out of time. Well... Rick, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized. baptized in the Holy Spirit, please, please call, write. I mean, our prayer team, they are there. They've been praying with people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. We hear from them. They say, this person got baptized in the Holy Spirit, was speaking in tongues over the telephone. Just make that call. I have enjoyed this so much. And didn't Paul Renner really look good? with a helmet on his head. I'm going to remember that. Oh, oh he wants to do it again. I know, and I want All to right. touch it. Okay. I want to touch it. Okay. All right, Paul. Careful, don't wrinkle Salva mouth. Just don't remember salvation. Mouth. Salvation is very noticeable. Amen. Hey, uh, we're out of time. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
If that teaching helped you, would you please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.